so good to have you today. We do want to welcome you if you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube. So glad to have you today. Would you take the Word of God out if you have your Bibles or if you have a phone or if you have a tablet? Let's take the Word of God, turn to the book of Joel and then also Matthew chapter 25. Joel chapter 2, Matthew chapter 25. Some of you might say, Pastor, I know where Matthew is. Where's Joel? It's in the Old Testament, and so I encourage you to do that. We'll spend some time there today. And I want to preach a message to you called this. It's called the Midnight Cry. Now, I just have one message to preach today, but I feel like God's going to turn this into a series, so we very well pick this up. Next week, a friend of mine is preaching. Uh, If you've never heard Pastor Whitney from Winner's Church on Jog Road. You've been by Winner's Church. He's a great friend of mine. He'll be here preaching next week. So I'm excited about him coming to minister to us. So that's next Sunday. But uh, we may get back into this series at the end of that. I want to start with a scripture, though, that I need you to get. And I said this scripture a few weeks ago because uh, what I'm talking about today, you need to know this truth before I, I share anything. Ephesians chapter 6 is one of the first, first scriptures I learned as a kid, and it just simply says this, we do not wrestle or wage warfare or we fight against flesh and blood. We do not have flesh and blood enemies. We are fighting against spiritual wickedness. We're fighting against demonic forces, right? So before I share anything today, may you understand that your enemy does not have a driver's license, social security card. They weren't voted into office. Come on now. Amen. All right, do you hear me now? You have to understand everything that I share about today, you have to get that truth. There is an ungodly agenda, okay? And people are not the enemy. But I do want to talk to you today about this ungodly agenda that I see going on in the world today. We're not going to get into eschatology so much, but we're going to talk a little bit about how we are as Christians to pay attention, to see what's going on, to look for warning signs, understanding that there is a demonic agenda at force in our nation and in our world today. And just pay attention to it and just open our eyes and figure out what what are we going to do about this? What's happening in the world today? And so I want to talk to you and we're going to start in Joel chapter number two. And verse number one says this, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come, great and strong, the like of whom have never been seen, never been Uh, nor will there ever be any after such after them, even for many successive generations. Now watch this. In verse number 11, it says this, The Lord gives voice to his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Right? The, The day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? It's great for those who are ready, and it's terrible for those who are not. Okay? And and it says this, blow the trumpet in Zion or sound an alarm. Now, when I was a kid in the 80s, just a little, little, little kid in the 80s, we used to sing a song in church, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain, and we'd all be worshiping the Lord, right? And I had a friend, he's probably watching online, Dr. Bob Averson, and he would tell me years later, he said, I never sang that song. 
while they were singing it. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand the, the truth and the context of that verse. It's not a praise song. It's not a worship verse, right? It's a, a, the Bible says it is a great and terrible day that we blow the alarm, we, we blow the trumpet, we sound the alarm, and understand we, we are talking about the day of the Lord. Great for those of us who belong to Christ. At this time during the prophecy, Judah was backslidden. They were away from the Lord. So for them, it was not a great day, right? So you have to understand the context. And so we look at what's happening in our world today, and I'm wondering if pastors, we need to rise up, leaders need to rise up, Christians need to rise up and to raise our voice and to see what's going on and to sound an alarm in our nation. And I see warning signs. And I want to give you just very quickly three warning signs. This isn't, a, this isn't eschatology. This is just what I see, what's happening in our nation and the first one took place several years ago. And here's what I see. I see three things that are happening in the nation. And I want you to just write them down. And the first one is this. It is an effort to minimize the power of your prayers. There is an effort at, at, at work behind the scenes to minimize the power of our prayers. In 2015, this headline flashed across our nation by the New York Daily News, and it just simply said this, God isn't fixing this. It was, a, it was a response to the shooting that took place in California, and it was the first time in our nation's history that I can remember that there was a national attack from a national news organization on the power of prayer. And you could see in the picture where different politicians who had put out uh, the, the thought that we were going to pray and we were going to call upon God and they began to mock the power of prayer and they began to mock whether it was effective. And for the first time in our nation's history that I've ever seen before, we took something that was very sacred, is very sacred, very holy to us. And they began to say that it has no use, it is not effective in any way. I've got news for you. I still believe in the power of prayer. Amen. The Bible says this, that the prayers of the righteous are powerful. And do you know this, church? Listen, listen to me. God is the only one fixing this. Do you hear me? He's the only one that can fix this. Listen, how do we fix racism? God is the only one that can fix it. We can pass law after law, but listen, only God can transform somebody's heart. Can I go to get an amen from somebody, right? Let, only God can do that. You have to understand, only God can heal families. Only God can put lives back together. Only God can fix this. And so to minimize the effectiveness and the power of prayer is something that is at work in our nation. And it started years ago, even in 2015, when all of a sudden this ungodly agenda began to be pushed. That when something tragic happens in our nation, no longer do we turn to prayer. We turn to the government for answers. The second thing that I see is the silencing the voice of our worship. It's this effort to silence the voice of our worship. Don't you know that the devil hates worship? He hates it when we gather. 
at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and whether churches gather on Saturday nights or whether they gather on Sunday nights or wherever they gather, or when you get together in connect groups or whether it's house churches across this world, people, when they get together and they lift their voice in worship, there is something so powerful about that. There is something about getting together and lifting our voice, and don't you know that the devil hates it when we lift our voice in worship? He hates it, right? And two weeks ago, the governor of California, not our enemy, come on now, not our enemy, banned singing in churches. And I never thought I'd see the day when in America, now this is not communist China, this isn't Cuba, this isn't Vietnam, this is in America, a major political figure bans singing in churches. Three churches have filed lawsuits stating that they're being discriminated against because the governor showed, showed support for protesters gathering and marching, but yet is trying to silence the church. And they have said that there is a biblical mandate to lift our voice and sing. Hallelujah. Don't you know the devil hates it when we sing? Because there's power in our voice. There's power when we come together. Listen, when we came together this morning and began to sing, I'm a child of God, I don't have the spirit of fear. Listen, something happened on the inside of me. I can sing that at my house alone, but something happens when I gather with brothers and sisters in a church. There's just something about it, amen? When we gather and sing. Listen, tell me I can't sing. I'll sing my whole sermon. I'll serenade you guys from one end of this pulpit to the other. Amen. I'll sing the whole thing. Tell me I can't sing. Listen, this is an ungodly agenda that's at work. Trying to minimize the power of prayer and trying to silence the voice of our worship. And then the third thing I see that's happening in our nation is this. They're trying to remove you from the gathering of believers. Now, hear me. Listen, those of you watching on Facebook, you're watching on YouTube, everybody here in the sanctuary with me, hear me when I say this. I understand why some people are watching online and joining us and staying home. I get that. We have several people in our church that are being healed from cancer. They're overcoming sickness and illness. They have compromised, compromised immune systems. So I get why they're staying home. We have people in our church that are pregnant, and so they've chosen to stay home uh, for safety reasons. We have people taking care of elderly parents. I get that. They've communicated with me. They've talked to me. I've called them. They've said, listen, we're going to stay home for a little while. I support them 100%. They said, we miss it. We can't wait to get back together. Right? So I understand that in some cases... There's a need to, to make sure that you're safe. And, and I would never want anybody to put themselves in harm's way if they feel like that's what they're doing. So listen, if you need to stay home, stay home. I get that. But let's not take gathering together lightly. You understand? Let's not say that, that there's not power that happens when we gather together. You can't just keep missing church and missing church and it not affect you, right? I think there's something powerful about gathering together. And those who've had to isolate themselves, those who have had to distance themselves, they would say the same thing. They would say this, I can't wait to get back to the house of God. I can't wait to get back to the house of God. 
And there are, there are forces at work that are trying to tell us that no, you shouldn't gather and you can't gather and all these things. And I understand I'm not trying to take political sides with, with safety versus non-safety. I'm just saying this, that there's something that is very essential about being in the house of God. It is very essential. Listen, this week, this week, a pastor came out. And he said, we no longer will have in-person gatherings until at least 2021. A very famous pastor of a large church. And I was talking to my son. My son's in ministry. And so we like to bounce thoughts and ideas off of each other. And I said to him, I said, you know, Caleb, I, I know, I understand the decision that he's making. And I'm not saying he's making the wrong decision. So hear me when I say that. I'm not saying he's making the wrong decision. He has a very, very large church. And if he feels like it's not safe to gather, that's between him and God. Okay, so I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. What I don't like is the interview that I saw. Because you can, you can just find, I'm not going to tell you who it is. You can just find out. You can just Google it. You'll find out who it is. All right. And I saw his interview. And he said this. He said, we're still reaching out. We're still feeding people. We're still doing things. The church is still essential. But gathering in person is not essential. And I heard him say that, and I go, no, 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 listen, that's contrary to the Word of God. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 10, do not neglect meeting together. Do not neglect, do not forsake it. Don't forget, don't forsake gathering together. Something happens, there's an encouragement that takes place. There's power that takes place when you gather, when you worship, when you open the Word of God. Listen, the devil would try to relegate the church to some benevolence organization where all we do is just reach out and, and be benevolent and feed those who are hungry and clothe those, clothe, clothe those who are naked. I get that. That's important. We do that. We have a food pantry, but we're not a food pantry. Come on now. We're a church. We worship. We preach. Amen. We proclaim the gospel. We speak truth. Amen. We're not just some other benevolent organization. Hallelujah. So it's important. Something happens to us when we gather. And if we have to distance for, for a short period of time, if people have to do that for safety reasons, I get it. But I'm worried about where this is ending up. Do you hear me now? Here's the concern. Here's the concern. The Bible says this, 2 Timothy. Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word. Because here's what's coming. A day is coming when people will no longer endure sound doctrine. They will no longer listen to truth. They will push away from those who are preaching truth. And instead, they are going to look to those who tell them what they want to hear. Huh? They just tell them what they want to hear. Don't preach against those things that, that I don't want you to preach against. And, and don't, don't share those things. And let's stay away from those topics. Huh? And I've told people for years, I am not your preacher. I'm your pastor. Amen? And so, listen, sometimes you've got to speak truth. Hallelujah. You just have to speak truth. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that there is coming a day before the great day of the Lord when there's this falling away. 
And the reason why I wanted to share this message today and maybe even continue it is that we understand that there's this great falling away. And my question is this, are we there yet? Are we beginning to see this great falling away where people begin to deem the church as non-essential, where people begin to silence our worship, where people begin to tell us that prayer is not powerful, that there's no power in prayer? Listen, are we beginning to see a falling away? Jesus warned of these days. Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, let's turn over there. Matthew chapter 25. He told a parable, which is basically just a story about the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Watch this, verse 6. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Watch verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the, and the door was shut. And here's what the Bible is teaching us. Those who were prepared, those who were ready, Those who kept the oil, come on now, they went in to be with the Lord. And those who were not ready, to them the door was shut. The door was shut. That's why I entitled this The Midnight Cry. I don't know if these are the last days. Because Paul talked about the last days. If he talked about the last days, then this is the late, late show. Okay, this is the late show. Late, late show, all right? But I know this, you only go around once. Come on now. Is this the last generation before Jesus comes back? It is for you. It is for me. If Jesus comes back next week, or if I live another 40 years, because I'm super healthy, if I live another 40, 50 years, huh? And then I I go to my grave, and then I go to see Jesus then. How many of you know at some point we're going to see Jesus? Whether it's this afternoon, next week, or or whenever we, we go into eternity. We just know this. We have got to be ready. And it's as if we have to look at the warning signs, which used to be things that you had to look for. But now it's like these neon signs that are right in front of our face. We see what's happening in the world and we have to go, hey, hey, maybe this is when we should be paying attention. Is this the day? Huh? Is this the moment? Is this the the time that we need to look for? And go, hey, I see the world beginning to spin out of control. I see this falling away. But guess what? I got good news. How many of you want some good news? I was in a service in 1999 at Trinity Church International. And I'd been in ministry probably by then, about six years. And my wife and I were married and we had little babies. and, And so we traveled from North Florida. I grew up here. That was my home church for for many years. And so I went back in 1999 to a service 
where there was a guy preaching, and I don't know if I came to see family or if I came for the service, but Jim Baker, the former head of PTL, was preaching. And it was a nighttime service, and it was packed. It was packed. Now, if you're over 40, you know who Jim Baker is. Jim Baker and his wife, Tammy Faye Baker, they led PTL ministry, and it was a big scandal in the 80s because he ended up having a moral failure and, and, and went into financial failure and ended up going to jail. And ultimately, he divorced. And when he got out of jail, he began to travel and, and preach a little bit, and my pastor invited him to preach. So he came and preached in 1999, and here was his message, the end of the world. Y2K. He said that on December 31st at 11.59, when that clock strikes midnight, the computers were going to reset and there was going to be no food, there was going to be no electricity, there was going to be no nothing. That he had already talked to people who were very wealthy and they began to store up supplies in bunkers. I looked at my wife, we had like $35 in a bank account. I said, Cynthia, we dead. We are dead. We got nothing. We're dead. We got no food. We're dead. We're dead. I got no money. I'm dead. We're dead. But do you know, while he was preaching, listen, everybody's eyes were this big and nobody moved. And he preached for an hour and like 15 minutes on the end of the world. And I remember talking to people and it was like, nobody slept that night. Nobody slept that night. And the next night he came back to preach and he said this. He said, well, I went into the back room and I talked to the pastor. (laughs) And the pastor immediately said, Jim, you didn't give anybody any hope, right? So let me give you some hope today. Can I do that? Here's our hope. You are a child of God. Listen, if you belong to God, huh? If you've made things right with the Lord, listen, you are going to be in heaven with Jesus. I believe that with all of my heart. But I want to give you hope that when it is dark, light shines best. I want to give you hope that when the church is persecuted, it's the church's greatest hour. I want to give you hope that while there's going to be a great falling away, I still believe with all my heart there's going to be a great harvest, a great awakening that is going to take place in our nation. I believe that with all of my heart. If you're still in Joel, I want to read a message, another passage to you. Let's go back to Joel real quick. If you're still there, I just want to go back and we'll put it, of course, on the screen. I lost the place, so here I go. I got to find Joel again. But I want to tell you that there's hope. That we don't just to throw our hands up in the air and just look at the, what the world is doing. Listen, people who are not our enemies. Do you hear me now? Not our enemies. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to think that, okay, now what do we do? Pastor, you didn't give us any hope. I want to talk to you today about hope. I want to talk to you. Here's what the Word of God says. Joel chapter 2, verse number 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Listen, while Joel was prophesying, and he says, there is coming a great and terrible day of the Lord, he also says this, that if you turn to him, 
if you, if you rend your heart and not your garment. In other words, if it's not a show, if it's something real on the inside of you. Amen? Listen, God is slow to anger. He is gracious and he is merciful. And while the world continues to spiral out of control, while they continue to live in fear, while they continue to, to be uh, so fearful of, of what tomorrow brings next month, next year, the church can be that light in the midst of darkness. We can offer hope to a hopeless world. We can say this, listen, here's the answer. The answer is we turn back to God. God can fix this. I believe that. Listen, I want to encourage you today with all of my heart. This is not a time when we shrink back. This is a time when we give up. This isn't a time when we take up some political agenda and just think to ourselves that if we can only get the right person voted in or the right person voted out, or if we can only win some kind of ideological warfare that we're going to make it. This is the time when we have to turn back to God as a church. Amen. And say, okay, I see this ungodly agenda. I see it unfolding. I see what's happening in our nation. But I also believe this. God is the answer. Amen. And I am ready. And I want to stay ready. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard. And I want to, I want to pray for you today.